Here's a little story. There's a video clip of a college basketball game. A player is inbounding the ball from under the hoop while the rest of her team is in a line on the right side of the key. The inbounder starts the play that they probably run through a million times in practice. Number two sidesteps out from the line and is wide open without a defender in sight. The inbounder hits the open player and she confidently throws up a pretty 15-foot jumper. The ball rolls around the inside of the rim for a moment and drops through. Two points. Now, it's not a nationally televised game, it's not the Final Four, it's not even a buzzer beater, but the team goes crazy. Two of the players throw their hands up in celebration as they run back on defense. Number two jumps with unbridled enthusiasm, because that shot meant more to her than many will ever know. Those were her first two points all season, and her first two points in quite a long time. Number two is a delightful college student named Becca who has been battling POTS and other chronic illnesses since 2014. I wanted to know what her journey was like to go from severely ill to playing sports at a college level. How does someone with a chronic illness manage their symptoms and illness while keeping up with a physically demanding program? So, lace up your sneakers and fill up your water bottle, because we're about to hit the gym to find out how Becca went from the hospital to the hardwood in this week's The Chronic Illness Playbook. Uh, very excited to welcome Becca to the program today. Uh, Becca is a college basketball player from the north of Minnesota in a name that a uh, city that I cannot pronounce, but she will probably do that a little bit later. Uh, Oak Hills Christian College, is that correct? Yes, that is correct. <laughs> awesome. So, Becca, just take us through a little bit of an elevator pitch of your chronic illnesses and how long you've had them. So, I was diagnosed with. POTS, uh, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome back in 2014. So been a few years. Um, and I've also had a spinal fluid leak and uh, autonomic dysfunction. And those are kind of the big ones. But yeah. Got it. So uh, 24, and uh, you don't have to give us your age because that is not something we need to disclose, but you know, you're probably late teens, early 20s, correct? Yeah, I'm 21. 21, cool. So, you know, it's seven years ago, 24. Oh my God. So you were born in 2000? I was born in 99. 99. Okay. Got it. Okay. Wow. I'm old. I'm sorry. I'm 32. (laughs) So anytime you do that math and it's like, oh, you know, the the big hallmarks in my life, it's like, oh, you were a toddler. You were a baby. Okay, cool. (laughs) So, so since 2014, um, so you were you know, 13, 14 years old when you first got POTS, um, and you're now a college athlete. So I'm sure that has been a roller coaster of a ride. Yeah. So I'm guess, going to guess you were very active before. Is that correct? Yes. I actually wanted to play basketball in ninth grade, um, but I was diagnosed and it didn't work. So. <laughs> Yeah, POTS, POTS tends, to, tends to do that to people at times. Yeah. <laughs> so just very interested in in how this journey, I told you this corny little phrase that'll probably be part of the title, title you know, from the hospital to the hardwood. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's very hard to play college ball if you're not playing in high school, if you're missing seasons. This is what mm-hmm. coaches and recruits type look for. Um, so what, what was sort of your, we're going to really focus on your exercise journey, you know, how you can, you know, build up that type of tolerance. 
So ninth grade, you're not playing. You're you're sitting at home in the hospital doing that type of absolutely wonderful pot stuff. Yeah. Uh, what what did the next couple years kind of look like? And when's the first time you start playing organized ball? So the first time that I actually played organized ball was this year. Oh um, wow! It took that long. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> so uh, the first few years after I was diagnosed were really tough and. I had a few good years here and there, um, but as a majority, they were really tough. And then last year in the fall, actually, um, was when I was diagnosed with my spinal fluid leak. And so I had some back procedures, stuff like that. And it wasn't until a year ago uh, in March that I started to really feel better. And I started exercising more and uh, I had transferred to this college uh, from a different college and my roommate was actually going to be on the volleyball team. And I was like, oh, you know, that'd be fun. Like <laughs> an extra person. <laughs> and so I emailed the coach this past summer and they were like, hey, if you're willing to play, like we'll work with you and we'll figure it out. And a few weeks later, I got an email and they're like, so would you like to play basketball too? And I was like, <laughs> sure, let's do it. <laughs> so absolutely God timing. And uh, the coaches here have been absolutely incredible working with me, getting me to uh, a point where I can play and run back and forth on the basketball court. It's incredible. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, you know, a two sport college walk on and it's it's not so much walk. It's like an email on. Yeah. <laughs> That's a That's a fantastic journey. I absolutely love that. So uh, what's sort of like your, when, when you first started to feel better and you first started to get into that exercise regimen, I, I'm sure you weren't doing, you didn't pick up right where you left off, you know, pre ninth grade um, with everybody with, you know, POTS and chronic illness and all this type of stuff. There's a, a, some remedial things you have to, you know, go over and continue to do. Um, so what was that beginning of that uh, exercise journey? What did that look like? Um, as simple as it was, it started walking up and down the stairs. Yeah, and, I feel that. And then it, cause we also have a dog. And so then after I could master even just walking around the house, it was, all right, let's try walking around the block. And then when mm-hmm. I could do that, it was like, all right, let's walk around twice or three times and just like progressing a little bit more each day until I was like, at least walking up and around, not so lightheaded when I would do that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. It was really crazy because there was one time that I tried to jog, like literally just jog for 30 seconds, and my heart rate went up to like 220. It was oh. crazy. Oh, oh, <laughs> and, I know that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it was just like the every day just trying to do a little bit better than the day before. And I had my bad days. Like there were days where I couldn't do anything, um, but it was just the next day, just get back up and try again. Wow, that's that's awesome. And so, do you it, do you use you know like a, a Fitbit, an Apple Watch, you know, a heart rate monitor? Um, What's your gear for that? I have like a fake Fitbit. It's not like <laughs> the fancy stuff, but it's yeah. it's something. <laughs> it's it's all the same technology. It's just right. are you are you paying for the the name, or are you just going to be like, oh, I'll use that money elsewhere? Awesome. So you you started just building up. You started doing that. Uh, what does practice look like for you? Because I. I did. I've never played college any type of sports, but I played a lot of uh, high school things, and you know, ran track and cross country before I got sick. So there's a lot of you know big people screaming at you to go faster and dig deep, 
And those are a lot of directives that aren't good for people with like chronic illness. You know, our dig deep is not, you know, continue to jog through the 220 right. <laughs> feet per minute. It's sit down and grab a glass of water or something. That's, mm-hmm. that's our directive. So how do, how do your coaches work with you on that? Uh, so we basically have this, like, I don't know, it's not like a code word system, but like, um, at the beginning of the season, I was like, Hey, like if there's a time that I need to sit down, it's not me being disrespectful. It's I'm literally going to pass out on the floor or I need to sit down. Mm. Uh, and so we've just had that agreement that, okay, like I'm going to do my best until I can't take anymore. And then after that, like me being honest and it's not just me being like, Oh, my pots is in the way I can't play today. It's like, I'm going to try as hard as I can. And then like, and they can usually tell when I'm kind of at my breaking point. Cause <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Becca starts wobbling on the floor. You, you get that little glassy <laughs> eye and they're like, sit down, come over like, here, take a yeah, seat. You might, you might need to take a second. <laughs> yeah. We're going to need a timeout. Oh, mm-hmm. so I mean, and so I'm going to get a little nitty gritty here. Cause I, I love basketball. I'm, I'm a big mm-hmm. basketball fan. I'm wearing a actual Clippers shirt right now. I did not plan that, but you know, <laughs> Hey, this is, this is where we are. Um, so like, uh, within the games, how, how much playing time do you get? Uh, so it really depends on the game. Uh, this past weekend I got to play at least 15 minutes a game. Oh, wow. Um, But when I first started the season, it was a lot less than that. And, uh, my coach and I had decided for my very first games that I would only stay on defense and I wouldn't even try running to the other side of the court because we weren't sure if my heart would take it. Yeah. Um, and so first few games, it worked well. I was able to do that side and all of that. And then I started to be able to do more in practice. And so there was one game I'm like, coach, can I run to the other side of the court? And she's <laughs> like, I don't know, but let's try it. And so after that, I was able to run to the other side. And it was this big moment for everyone. They're like, oh, my gosh, Becca's on offense. Like <laughs> So. That's really that's really funny. I can see this being one of those. Uh, if you're on Twitter or Facebook, there are those now this videos, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it, a kid who hasn't made a bat, but it's like you know, this is the moment where the girl with pots runs to the other side, and the crowd just yeah. loses their crap, yeah. and it's just like, why? What happened? And it's like, this is actually a very big thing. Big thing. So. And this past weekend, actually, I got my first college points. I made my first basket this past weekend, and so hey. my whole team just erupted. Like we were all just jumping on the court. It was amazing. (laughs) That's awesome. Wow. I'm very impressed with your program, with your coaches. It is a very, you know, ADA accessible program. You know, we, I've, I use the, the Peloton app, you know, cause I've got a, a, a bike and it's one of those, like, this is, it's one of the most popular exercise things in the world. And it's all out of reach for people with chronic illnesses, you know, and you have to like modify your own. You have to only take the recovery rides. You know, if you're going to do any of their strength stuff, it's, it's just like the stretching. So Mm -hmm. this is, you guys are on the forefront of something right here. This is, this is fantastic. My coaches have been absolutely incredible this year. It's, and they've been so supportive on and off the court as well. It's not just all right, like you can do this and this. It's like, Hey, like, how are you doing? And like actually concerned about us as people. And it's, it's really cool. 
Coach is concerned about athletes as people. That is wild. That is not a common theme. That is wonderful. Um, so uh, just in terms of like a uh, product wise, um, what do you, do you wear anything on the floor? Do you have your knockoff Fitbit? Do you do compression socks? Compression your... for sure. Um, oh, cool. I actually don't do compression socks. I have like longer compression shorts and oh. that seems to help a little bit better than like the full compression socks. Um, oh, awesome. So yeah, compression wear for sure though. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Everything's got to be compressed for us. Um, so what, do, do you know the brand off the top of your head? What, what type um, they are? I of Under Armour and Nike. Um, oh, cool. So yeah. Nice. And then, uh, do you have your own Gatorade water bottle on the bench? What is your, <laughs> what's your liquid, uh, intake during the games and practice? Uh, a lot. <laughs> a lot. But, uh, it's either usually Gatorade water or I actually put some salt in my water. So oh, nice. that, like, yeah, it's probably not the best idea, but it can help my blood pressure a little bit. So, <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, it, if you haven't looked at any, you know, there, there are a lot of those electrolyte things that have less sugar than Gatorade out there. I'm not to just dump advice on you. You asked for yeah. nothing, but I'm just, I'm going to talk about what works. I love these things called like drip drop, where it's a ton. It's like a little packet that you just pour into water and it's a ton of sodium but probably like a third or a fourth of the sugar in okay. Gatorade. Okay. Um, because when, when I first, uh, tangent here, when I would first got POTS, um, and it's kind of the reason I started this podcast is because my, my doctors were like, okay, you have POTS, drink Gatorade. And being the type of personality I am, I'm, I'm like, good, I'm going to drink as much Gatorade as I can. <laughs> you know, this is like a like challenge accepted doctors. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to do this. And then I gained like 30 pounds because it's so much sugar. And it was like, oh, there's got to be like something better for this. Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot of like keto things out there because people with in in ketosis, they need electrolytes and that type of stuff. So if you're, if if the Gatorade's working for you and if the salt stuff's working for you, God bless you, you know, (laughs) keep on doing with that. And if you're interested in any, you know, if they start not to work for you or you're looking for any type of, there's plenty of resources out there for that type of stuff. Yeah, um, sure. yeah. So that's, and so we're also in the middle of a pandemic, which, um, is a little rough. Uh, and so you're, you're starting your college, uh, athletic career in the midst of a pandemic. I feel like we're on dateline. This is one of those type of stories <laughs> where it's like, what is, how is this person doing all of this? Yeah. Um, and, and how, how is it? How is, you know, uh, traveling to other schools, doing that type of stuff in the midst of a pandemic? So we have been very blessed to even be able to play because I know that there's a lot of schools that aren't even doing anything this year. Um, But usually when we go to a school or when people come to our school, we do like temperature checks and like check and see, like ask people, have you had any symptoms in the last whatever? And Mm. it's really funny because when we have like a tournament style and there's like two, three games like in a weekend, if it separates by day, then you have to do the whole process over again the next day. (laughs) So like, uh, and we have a small enough team that like, if one person got sick, like everyone would be sick. So we've been really, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well that's, I mean, good for you guys, you know, and luckily cases are going in the right direction right now. So, you know, keep it going, keep you guys safe, keep you guys playing basketball. 
Um, how are you guys doing this year? Just a nerd sports question. So we actually have five wins this year, uh, which hey. is amazing for our team because uh, we're called the Lady Wolf Pack, and we haven't had a like a win as a team in almost ten years. And the last two years for our school, we didn't even have a team. So it's really crazy to be able to come out this year, get those first (laughs) wins. And yeah, it's really cool. That's exciting. Wow. And, you know, I'm going to I'm just going to put it out there. The one difference from last year and the year before and those other winless years you have a person on your team with chronic illness. Like you're, they're opening up their hearts. They're opening up their bench. They're making it more accessible, you know, and Hey, I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's not a, it may not be a causation, but it's definitely a correlation. So that's awesome. Um, and in terms of like your, your teammates, uh, I play, I'm, I'm a guy. I played a lot of guy sports. Uh, if you show any type of weakness around, guy teammates uh, you're never going to hear the end of it not saying chronic illness is a weakness but for some people who are uneducated they can perceive it as like oh Belusky's got to go sit down on the bench because he's going to pass out and it's like well I've got a doctor's note but that doesn't mean anything to them how is it dealing with teammates I know you have a code word safe word with your coaches so Mm -hmm. you guys can communicate but how is it you know interpersonally yeah so I have the most incredible teammates. They have been so supportive. And at the beginning of the season, I'm pretty sure they were just like, okay, like what's kind of wrong with her, especially at the beginning of volleyball, because no one knew me. So it was like, oh, she's got this heart condition. Like, okay. But no, like they've all been super supportive. They've been cheering me on as I've gotten better. And uh, it was so cool to watch the film back when I made that basket. Because <laughs> every, every one of my teammates was out of their seats. Just, we were all just so hyped. And like that's just how our team atmosphere is like we're hyped for each other when we make baskets we're hyped for each other when we have a good day and we pick each other back up when we're having a bad one and it's just it's been the most incredible atmosphere to be able to learn in and grow in and I couldn't ask for a better team god I wish I played on women's teams that is (laughs) that is not the uh overarching uh experience of guys playing guy sports it's you know, it's the same outcome. You get that camaraderie. We go about it a little differently. Yeah. You know, some may call it toxic at yeah. times, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, and in, in talk, they, they sound very supportive and holy crap, good for you for finding, you know, this type of community. And I mean, you do go to a Christian college. And so it's absolutely wonderful that people at a Christian college are ask, acting like Christians. Yeah. It's like, hey, we'll take it. That's that's very nice. Yeah, like. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, have there been any, you know, misconceptions that you've encountered? Um, have uh, anybody, you know, tried to make any assumptions about what you have that you had to um, correct? Or has it been pretty smooth sailing? It's been pretty smooth sailing. And if they have had questions, they've asked. And it's been really respectful in that way. And it's not just like, oh, like, why are you sitting out today? It's like, you feeling okay? Like you good? Like it's, it's more of that kind of thing, which has been really cool. That's really awesome. That's really great. Um, and then, uh, are, are you in any, I, I think I know this answer. You're not on any type of medication for the POTS right now. Not right now. Um, I do have Midadrin as like a backup if I need it, but I'm not like actively taking it. Got it. 
So you you are in Minnesota. Are you a Mayo Clinic person? Yes. <laughs> okay, got Mayo it. Mayo Clinic in Rochester has helped me so much through the last seven years. That's awesome. And, you know, I I grew up in Cleveland, so, you know, the Cleveland Clinic isn't as yeah, great with POTS as the Mayo Clinic, but, you know, we, we definitely got lucky being in, you know, similar uh, areas as great hospitals. Mm-hmm. So uh, you you are working out a lot. You're you know you're going to school. You're also an athlete. That's a lot for people with chronic illness. Are you having any type of flares? Have you you know what does that look like for you? So a lot of days it is absolutely terrifying for me to get on the court because I'm not sure if I'm going to pass out that day or what if you know I start having a flare like right in the middle of practice and you know. Like I'm the kind of person who I really like to push through my symptoms and I don't like to listen to them. <laughs> and so yeah. um, sometimes it gets to the point where I'm like, okay, like I am seeing stars. Like I need to, all right. <laughs> so I definitely still have my bad days. And there's even been times in class where I start not to feel good and I have to get up and leave. Um, and so it's been a really interesting, like up and down kind of thing like that uh, where it's super random, even though I am exercising, I'm doing, you know, everything that the doctors say, I'm not like a hundred percent better yet. And like, in some ways that can be pretty discouraging too, of just like, you know, what else can I be doing? Because you can't be exercising much more than playing basketball. So no, college athletes are, you know, it's, it's one step down from pro and you guys are working out, you know, like it's your full-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are feeling a little bit woozy in class, you're starting to feel stars, see stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I 100% feel you on all of this of like, you know, I'm going to push through and then it ends up with me on the floor. Not yeah. great. Um, <laughs> but if, if, if you decide, hey, I'm not going to push through, I'm going to, you know, deal with this. I'm going to do something. What are those first steps that you do to try to get that flare under control? So first thing I do, because my anxiety makes it so much worse, um, I get up and I leave whatever room I'm in. I try to like not be around a lot of people, but I still have my one person that I'm like, hey, I'm not feeling good. If I'm not back in X amount of time, come find me because it means I'm probably passed out. Um, And so... (laughs) Uh, our campus is small enough that we only have like a few classrooms and then we have a, a lounge and stuff like that. So I'll go sit in the lounge, make sure that I'm in a safe place if I were to pass out. Um, and then I just lay down, try to get everything under control again, and then I go back to class. So, Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. I feel you about the anxiety. It's It becomes that snake eating its own tail mm-hmm. of the anxiety makes the pots worse and then the pots gets worse and then the anxiety and it's just like... Oh, cool. This is where I die. This is wonderful. Like, I can see no way out. But it's great that you've got a way out, you know, walking away from the situation, getting yourself out of putting yourself in a different environment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's awesome. Does your diet change if you feel like your pots is starting to get a little bit worse, if it's getting any better? What does that sort of look like? So a lot of times if I don't eat enough, my pots can get worse. Um mm. And it's been really nice because the cafeteria food here is all really, really good. And so they usually have like a wide range of protein and just everything. Um, But I can usually tell that if I get enough salt, but not not enough protein, 
like I can start not to feel good. Mm. Uh, so I actually have like my little protein shakes and stuff like that, that, um, I'll do. And yeah, I don't know. It's, I'll either eat like a lot more salt or like I try to keep track of it during a given day of like what all I'm eating and what I'm not mm. so that I can see like what I'm lacking versus what worked the day before. So I'm, I'm very, I'm in awe of this Narnia type school that you go to that has supportive <laughs> sports programs, that has good cafeteria food, that has empty lounges that people can just go sit in and decompress. Uh, this, this should be an actual promo for your school. Right. Like, it's like, Hey, this, if you, if you're looking for a college experience, that's healthy. Hey, this looks like it's a place that could do that. Well, and I mean, added bonus, each dorm room has its own like private bathroom. So that's just an added bonus. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand. Uh, I, I started college, my college experience um, at uh, a, a small college called uh, the Ohio State University, oh, where yeah. we had, you know, 75,000 students. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually got sick when I was there. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's when I first got sick. It, it's OK. I lived. Um, but it's, you know, it was very vastly different, you know, that you, you get, uh, you feel a little woozy in a classroom and you can just, you know, walk to a nearby lounge. The first time I started feeling any type of like pot symptoms that I didn't know was pots at the time, cause yeah, I had no idea what was wrong with me. Mm-hmm. I was in a lecture hall of probably around 350 students and we were taking our psychology final. So, so it's one of those things of like, you know, what's the worst place you can be in? And it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't just walk out because I'm halfway through this final. And that's when, you know, the anxiety and the pots and the anxiety and the pots and you just go round and round. And, and it's like, uh, I'm like, oh, I hope this passes. And it's been 13 years. So, you know, it's like, oh, cool. Great. This is, but it's, you know. That's uh, I'm I'm very encouraged that there are places out there that are actually good bastions for for people who uh, who can manage their chronic illnesses. Um, and so, like, if you if if you do have to leave the classroom, if you do have to, you know, you're feeling one of those rundown days, you know, you you pop a, a protein shake, get one of your muscle milks out, you know, yeah. pound a couple of those, get your protein up, um, and if you just need to like chill. If you just need to like take some time, you know, what do you do? Are you, you know, are you a Netflix watcher? Do you read uh, certain series of books that make you feel good? What's that activity? Uh, Definitely Netflix or playing on my Nintendo Switch. (laughs) Oh, very nice. What do you play on Nintendo Switch? Um, A lot of Mario. I like uh, Mario Kart and uh, Mario Odyssey are pretty, pretty solid ones to play. (laughs) Yeah, we've we've been doing a lot of Mario Kart over the pandemic, you know, playing online with friends. You do oh, we yeah. FaceTime them and then, you know, cuz can't hang out or do any of those type of things. Yeah. You know, so doing that. What's your what's your Netflix? Are you a uh, a friends office 30 Rock rewatcher that type of stuff? Yeah, I was so sad when they took the office off. I was like, that was my stuff, man. Like <laughs> Yeah. It's like I don't want to go on Peacock. I don't know how Peacock works. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's great. I I definitely you know the, we we've rewatched The Office before they took it off. I think like twice during the pandemic. It's a perfect yeah. show to just have on in the background. Exactly. You you know all the notes. You know all of the lines. You know all of that type of stuff. It's just <laughs> absolutely perfect. So this next question is a little bit personal. It's it's a little bit uh, 
uh, a look behind the curtain, but it's also a question that's that I feel helps a lot of people and I've heard helps a lot of people because there are things we talk about with chronic illness, you know, the compression wear of the socks, you know, the things you can do. Um, but there are also those things where I know it took many years for me to tell the people like, Hey, well, this is actually a thing that happens and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, not embarrassing for me, but can be perceived as embarrassing or that type of thing. Um, do you have anything that's like the most embarrassing part of your chronic illness that you you normally don't tell people, but you will hear because it, somebody may hear it and be like, ah, I'm not alone. Yeah. So like you were talking about earlier, the brain fog, oh, that happens to me so much. And there's been times where I've either been talking to friends or like, they're just randomly telling me a joke and I just don't get it. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like, I should understand this, but part of me doesn't even remember what you just said. So <laughs> could you say it again? And they're like, I'm not going to say the joke again because the punchline is just gone now. And I'm like, here we are. <laughs> this, this is the world we're in right now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, brain, brain fog. I've, that's, it, it's one of those things that I've had to explain to people what it's like. And and they just their 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 eyes glaze over and they're like that's not a real thing. It's like no, it's a it's an actual thing. Real we're thing. not we're not getting blood to our brains. This mm-hmm. is the thing about pots. There's not enough blood getting up there. So the fact that both of us are able to sit here and have a conversation and make sentences with nouns and verbs that agree with each other, <laughs> it's impressive. This <laughs> is an impressive feat. Oh, I I feel you there. Um. And so, you know, you're, you're a very positive person. You're in a very positive environment. Um, you, the, the way that we met or I found, not found you, that sounds creepy. Um, <laughs> the, the, the way I was uh, let to know about your story is we're, we're on a similar uh, Facebook page for people with POTS. And you posted, you know, the hospital picture next to the hardwood picture. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's definitely my vibe. And that's why I reached out to you right away because it's those are the type of stories I want to talk about. I want to talk about positive stories. I want to talk about things that people can do. Um, you're definitely a solutions type person. Um, what is a positive thing that has come from your chronic illness? Um, probably, okay. So one of the things that we have here is like a community life hour. And it's kind of like chapel, but it's kind of not like it's kind of a mix. It's, I don't know, this weird class. Anyway, um, <laughs> I was able to speak at one of them and I was just able to tell my story and everything that I've been through and how God has helped me through all of it. And um, it's been amazing to see like how God's working through that. And um because I've said from the beginning, like, if it can just help one person, like what I've been through, if it can just help one person, because I used to be the person who would sit in bed and be like, I'm never going to get better. Like, this is like a bed sentence, like nothing is ever going to change because no matter what I try to do, nothing is changing. And Mm -hmm. now that things are better and like, I'm moving towards the goals that I always wanted. Like, I want to be that person for someone else. And I feel like that's, the best thing that ever could have happened. Like I wouldn't change my diagnosis. I wouldn't change anything that's happened just because if there's one person that like I can help get out of bed or, you know, something like that so that they can start like living again, like it would all have been worth it. 
That's absolutely fantastic. I mean, I, I couldn't have asked for a better answer to a positive or good thing that come that came out of your chronic illness. It's it's the reason I started my podcast. It's the reason I share my journey um, because it is that uh, when you were diagnosed in, in 2014, I was diagnosed in 2008. Uh, 2008, it was a wasteland, the internet of anything chronic illness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go- would Google pots and they would try to sell you like illegal weed on the dark net and it's like it's like well nope this isn't my thing so I don't I don't know I don't know what I'm looking for yeah (laughs) yeah but thank you so much for you know sharing that and and sharing what's helping what's what's helped you because it's it's going to help more than one person I mean you saw the engagement on what you posted on the Facebook page I was blown away I was like oh that's crazy for me to think about. Like I come from a small town, so it's like, well, like, <laughs> yeah, three, three times the population of your small town liked the yeah. interacted on that phone. And I mean, yeah, it's a wonderful story and it's more than just a story. It's a wonderful life. It's, it's, you're, you're living it. And anytime you step on the court, it's just a testament to not giving up because it, you could have very easily have given up, you know, when, when you got your, uh, when they they fixed the spinal fluid leak is that is that correct yeah, yeah. you know and and you you started to feel better and do that type of stuff your life could have gone a completely different direction mm-hmm. um you could have done the thank god i'm alive becca and then just you know did, pissed away yeah. everything you wanted to do but it's like no you're going to you know do positive things in your life and you know play sports and get that education you know continue with your education and do all that it's it's very inspiring, um, and so just a, a very uh, a way that I like to uh, break down life is you know, people have done it in you know everywhere anywhere you know the most famously they did it during the Watergate you know trials the follow the money that mm-hmm. was the biggest thing, um, and so now with chronic illness I like to follow the money. For me, I see what's the most uh, money I spent on things. You know, it, that's not medication, you know, because America and medication and healthcare systems, you know, we're not yeah. great at that at times. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so so for me, it's, it's a lot of like electrolyte drinks and that type of stuff, you know. And it's also, I spend the most money on that and then like exercise things. You know, I've got like a little gym in my garage. It was either a gym membership or that type of thing. Um, what do, as a college student who's, you know, not making buku bucks, you know, you're not a professional athlete, you know, so your money is, is tight. What do you spend the most money on that helps your chronic illness? Probably the exercise stuff and like smaller equipment that I can use in my dorm room or whether it's the protein shakes to help me feel better afterwards or um, I would even go so far as to say my pillows <laughs> because I'm, I'm someone who likes a lot of pillows and I actually have a basketball pillow. So I spend a lot of money on pillows, but <laughs> yeah. I, this is weird. I love pillows too. I, it may be a chronic illness thing. I, it, 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 they're just so comfortable and I'll see them in the store and I'll be like, that's my weakness. It's a super fluffy <laughs> pillow. Like I need that. <laughs> well, and rest is very important for us. We, we can't just, you know, pound caffeine and get four hours of sleep and then wake up the next morning and then play college basketball. That just (laughs) does not work like that. Um, So on that theme of rest, do you have a routine, 
you know, whether it's going to bed or waking up in the morning, you know, some sort of, I mean, when you talk to those Fortune 500 guys, you know, they're like the most important time of your day is that first hour in the morning and the first hour at night, the last hour at night, you know, and that's when you can make the biggest differences. Um, I sit in bed and scroll Twitter, you know, not the best thing. Uh, do you have any type of positive uh, routines that you do? Um, so before I go to bed, I really like to shower and just decompress from the day and like, um, just try to make sure that I'm taking care of myself and not just going and going and going so that I get to a point where I'm completely drained. Um, Mm -hmm. but when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to sound like a total college student because five minutes before class, I roll out of bed and I walk (laughs) to class. That is my routine in the morning. (laughs) You're, you're allowed to, this is the time to do it, you know? (laughs) <laughs> Once you become an adult, they don't let you just roll out. They're like, you have to shower. You got to put on the clothes. And it's like the sweatpants and sweatshirt. It's just exactly. it's perfect. Like I can <laughs> get ready for the day after. Like, <laughs> So uh, I just want to drill down a little bit more on um, just the, the exercise routine that you guys do. Um, so now you're, you're playing basketball. You know, you've got multiple games a week. You know, you're saying you have sometimes tournaments with, you know, a couple over the weekend. Um, If you're just going into the gym, you know, on a Tuesday, you don't have a game the day before, you don't have a game after, what what do you do? Do you do anything? Or is just practice and games, is that your exercise? So 90% of what I do is practice and games. But one thing that has really helped me is strength training. And so I try to go into like our school gym and just lift as much as I can. I try not to go in when anyone else is in there because we do have a men's team as well. And when they're in there and they see me only lifting 10 pounds, they're like, okay, Becca, like, (laughs) um, move aside. (laughs) Let me show you the real muscle, but, uh, (laughs) but no, it's like, I try not to do it every day so that my muscles aren't completely dead when I go to practice. Um, but I can definitely tell that like, cause I was one of those people who was like super skinny, didn't have any muscle at all walking onto the volleyball court, just like a stick And (laughs) with the help of my coaches and different people. Um, I went from only lifting the two to five pound with my arms to almost a 12. So we're getting somewhere. Uh, so Really, but it's like those little like maybe 20 minutes that I spend in the gym that um, either I work on a little bit of cardio because we get a lot of cardio in during practice. Um, yeah. But mainly just the strength training and stuff like that so that I can do those pushups when I miss a layup or something like that. So. <laughs> That's rude that they make the chronic illness girl do push-ups after she misses a layup. She didn't play in high school. Give her a break. She's working back from a very serious illness. Yeah. Well, your coaches just went down a notch in my book. You know, they were, they were. Me like everyone else. So <laughs> That's very good. It's very good having that, you know, being, being part of the team and, a, you know, the no special, not too much special treatment. There's, and it's not special treatment, it's medical treatment. So it's right. not special um, that's, and so you, you were diagnosed, um, in 2014. And so there were many years where you weren't playing college basketball, you weren't playing high school basketball, you weren't playing any of those type of sports. Um, in those first couple years, do you feel like there were any 
I, I know I'm not a regretful person. It's not like, you know, I regret doing this. But there are things looking back of like, oh, that wouldn't be a best practice. That's not a thing that I would tell other people to do. Um, were there any things that you went through or did that you were like, eh, probably not the best thing? Yeah, so I actually ended up starting, um, when I was first diagnosed, I went to doctors in Fargo, North Dakota, uh, because it was closer and I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't even know about Rochester at the time. Hmm. And um, a lot of it was pretty discouraging just because um, some of the doctors that I went to just wanted to say it was anxiety or it was just this or just that or was in my head or whatever, whatever the excuse may have been. Um, And so one of my biggest regrets is thinking that I couldn't do anything and that this was just going to be with me for my life. And this was my life now. And I was just going to be in bed and I wasn't going to amount to much type of thing. Um, and that's because I think if I would have had the mentality that I do now back then, I think yeah. I would have gotten somewhere before now. So just the fact of getting discouraged way too early on before I actually understood what was going on in my body. So it's, it, and, and I, I went through the same thing, not in Fargo, but in Cleveland. And so I'm at the Cleveland clinic and it was months and doctors and appointments. Mm-hmm. And it was the, it's either all in his head, you know, other doctors were like, he's dying and we don't know what it is. So yeah. prepare. <laughs> and it's like, that's not helpful. If the other guy thinks it's anxiety, you saying that's definitely not going to help. Not helpful. Yeah. <laughs> So, no, that's that's wonderful that you finally got to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester. How did that come about? So, um, I think it would have been 2016 or 2017, I started having, like, heart attack symptoms. Mm-hmm. And my face was purple, my left arm would go numb, my chest hurt, all of that. Um, and I just kept going back to the doctor. They're like, no, it's just a panic attack. Like, you'll be fine. And I'm like, I don't think it's a panic attack. <laughs> Um, and so I just progressively got sicker and sicker and I didn't know what was happening. The doctors didn't know what was happening. I would go to walk in and I ruptured a cyst somewhere. Like I couldn't eat and I thought it was my gallbladder. And it was funny cause they took an ultrasound at one point and the way they explained it afterwards was, yeah, your gallbladder looks okay, but like everything else looks perfect. And I'm like, so <laughs> what? Yeah. And I was only 17 at the time and my doctor was like, okay, I just want to talk to Becca for a little bit. And I'm like, okay. And so he sat me down and was like, I want to know what stress you have in your life. Like, you know, all of this different stuff. It is on my permanent record that my dad lost his job. My sister moved out, like all of this stuff that my, this doctor like twisted from what was reality to like what I was, what he wanted it to be. So oh. sign the paper and be like, yep, it's anxiety. She's just not telling me the truth. Um, so my dad had changed jobs, but voluntarily. My sister went to college, but was still living at home. Like it was all of this stuff that, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, and so he's like, yeah. I'm coming up with nothing. Like, what do you want me to do? And I looked him dead in the eye and I said, I want to go to Mayo Clinic because I heard that they can help POTS people. He uh, referred me to the dermatology and psychology department at Mayo. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So I get a phone call a few months later because um, we also had to submit like a referral type thing of why I wanted to go to Mayo. 
Mm-hmm. And I had a list just like two pages long of all of my symptoms, <laughs> like my pop diagnosis, everything. And we get a phone call and they're like, yeah, this is like where she was referred, but we're going to transfer her to the POTS department because it sounds like that'll be a better fit. <laughs> yeah, her skin is pretty clear right now. We're yeah, good. Right? Yeah. Like, and so once I got there, they sat down with me for like two hours just to talk about my symptoms. And I went through a bunch of testing, ended up having my gallbladder removed because it had polyps on it and it wasn't working properly. And oh, I really wow. wanted to go back and be like, <laughs> so... <laughs> real doctor in that situation okay (laughs) oh Oh. yeah and the medical profession it's it it's hit or miss you you have those yeah you have those fantastic doctors at the mayo clinic Mm -hmm. and then you have others who they're just they don't have that vocabulary they don't have that education they don't have that background they don't have that those diagnostic skills you're you're gonna run into those good people and sadly, it can take, you know, years of your life. And, you know, did you lived with a gallbladder, you probably shouldn't have lived for, you know, longer than you should have. Um, That's just something that I wish people knew, because sometimes you'll go to the doctor, they'll say one thing, and then you just take that as gospel, and you won't try anything else. But my mom, she was much more of a fighter than I was in those first few years. And she's like, there is something with my daughter that we can fix and I'm going to find out what it is. So she was the one that drove me to my doctor's appointment. She'd sit with me. Like my mom is an absolute incredible person. Like, uh, I don't know if I'd be here without her. <laughs> now, and, and especially with people with chronic illness, we're tired. We're mm-hmm. exhausted. This stuff takes a lot out of us. So having that bulldog advocate who's like, no, no, not yeah. going to take this. There, we're, We need answers. We just don't need, you know, a diagnosis that's not going to lead to anything. Right. Well, good, good for your mom. Uh, she, she should have her own session, you right. know, on, on how to how to advocate for your children in the in the healthcare system. Yeah, my family has been incredible through this whole process and they've been there for me and it's it's definitely helped a lot. Like I will say to the very end that if it wasn't for my family and my faith and my friends, I would not be sitting here today like 100%. <laughs> it's a it's it's a lot. It's a lot to take on especially at a young age. I wasn't as young as you. I was a little bit older. Um, but uh, you know, your teenage years, those are very important formative years. You know, this is your, it's high school, it's prom, it's all of those graduation, picking a college, you know, and to, to have this on top of it and having that, uh, uh, support system, that's very huge. And that's absolutely awesome. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, uh, the, these next couple of questions are sort of, you know, what, what do you wish the doctor would have said to you those first couple, you know, when you were first diagnosed? But it turns out that they weren't telling you anything and it took you to find a real doctor. And then when you found the real doctors, you got the real help right away. Is that about right? Yeah. Uh, one thing that I do wish that like somebody would have explained to me was that the exercise won't help you in the moment. <laughs> Yes. It's going to help months, maybe even years later on, because like it's not going to make you feel better and it's not meant to make you feel better, but it's supposed to help strengthen your heart for later on. And that's something that I really wish I knew. Cause like when I was younger, I would like, I'd do my exercise and then like half hour later, I'm like, okay, this was supposed to help, but I'm not (laughs) going to be better. (laughs) So that's definitely something I wish I knew though. 
That's awesome. It, it is an investment that you're not going to see the returns right away. And, and in cases, I mean, I, I personal things, I had a stressful week a couple of weeks ago. And so, you know, I just had all this restless energy and it's like, Oh, I'm just going to work out more and do that type of thing. And that's the wrong thing to do. (laughs) My, I was, there were like three days in a row where I would just go to work and then walk into the home and just sit on the couch. And it's like, that's, that's all I can do. And in those moments, it's not wonderful, but you know, building that base, starting slow, you know, over time, I'm very happy you brought up the strength training, you know, our, our biologies are a little different, you know, you're a female, I'm a male. Um, strength training, I, I was always a runner, so i never did strength training. It never even crossed my mind. Those were for meatheads, you know, and we would walk past them and be like, oh, listen to your Metallica, you know, and lift your weights, you know? And then when my pots, you know, I, I, I started, my pots started to get better when I was like, oh, maybe I should lift a weight or two, you know, cause I live in Hollywood and everybody lifts weights and looks beautiful. So it's like, oh, I'll try it. And it worked. And I, I've seen other people that strength training, you know, for some rhyme or reason, you know, your, your, your heart is a muscle as well, you know, working on your uh, muscles, actual muscles, and then the heart does a muscle. Very, very important. Um, and so, you know, your, your experience is definitely different than mine. You were in, in high school when this started. Um, so do you have any practical advice for somebody who gets POTS in high school, you know, right at the beginning of your high school journey? Yeah, so um, it was really scary at first because, like, the first time that I actually passed out, I was on the speech bus. So I was part of speech and forensics in high school. And we're on our way back from a tournament and like, I looked at my sister, I'm like, I I don't feel so good. And I remember laying down and trying to take a nap, but my sister said that I was just out, (laughs) like I was out. (laughs) And so, um, it was scary because when I woke up, there was somebody on top of me trying to get me to either eat something or drink orange juice or something because I've had low iron count all my life. And so, um, uh, they were like, oh, your iron must be low. You, you just passed out. And I'm like, okay, like, I don't know what's going on. And so that's the week that I was first diagnosed. And after that, I missed so much school. I like, it was crazy. And so I started to get better that summer. And I, I think I actually had perfect attendance sophomore year. Like it was a really weird scenario. Um, yeah. And then junior year was when everything fell apart. And one of my biggest suggestions would be to advocate for yourself. Um, Let your principal know and like tell them what you're able to do, what you're not, uh, because they actually let me go on like a half day like system thing. Sorry, words are hard. Oh, awesome. Um, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) At first, I think the school didn't quite know what was happening to me until my parents came in and were like, this is what's actually going on. Like the doctors don't believe us. Like we don't know what else to do. Um, and so the teachers were really cool and like helped advocate for me, for my principal being like, Hey, you can just take my class next year. It's not a big deal. Like we'll figure it out. Um, and so the half day symptom system really worked for me. Um, and I was able to sleep in, in the mornings, go to school in the afternoon and then go rest again at night. So it was like this, it was a better balance for my body. Yeah. Figured out what was wrong. And then senior year, I ended up taking like 
only necessary classes <laughs> so that I could graduate. And even then we weren't sure if I was going to be able to graduate, but, mm-hmm. and it's so crazy because I think back in like, some people just sign up for basketball. They sign up for whatever classes and they just graduate. It's just what happens Yeah. for me. Like it's been this long process and like, it's crazy because like, I guess my advice would just be don't get discouraged, advocate for yourself and know that like your disability isn't, it may limit you a little bit, but it doesn't define like what you are going to be capable of. So. Wow. That's very wise. Yes. No, thank you for that. Here's to get to that point mentality. <laughs> like, yeah. did not walk on to, into POTS with that mentality by any means. Like, <laughs> No, we, we first start POTS kicking and screaming. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, you start to see the, the larger plan and how it can play out. Um, but it's, it's nice to hear from somebody who's been through it. You know, that it's the, it gets better. It can get better, you know, and it, your health may not get better, but your mental state around it can definitely get stronger and get better. Um, And with, with having a chronic illness, uh, playing basketball, being in school, doing all of the things that you're doing, uh, there's at times people experience burnout you know, there, there's emotional burnout with the, the toll of all of this. You know, there's the physical burnout. Um, do you have any type of go-to things that you do to uh, calm your mind, get, reset yourself, uh, and, and kind of combat that type of, uh, you know, burning the candle at both ends? Um, probably a lot of self-care and just like nights where whether we get done with practice early or I make sure that my homework's done at a certain time and then I just like come in my little corner and I just spend some time with myself and um, whether it's listening to music or whether it's just journaling or just something random so that it can get your mind off of what's going on in life and it's just it's your time and um, because if I've learned anything this year it's that self-care is very important and like mental care is very important and Mm -hmm. Um, if, whether it's like just taking a really long shower or if you can do that or just like brushing your hair, like, and that can mean the world, like in a random situation. So. Cool. And so we're, we're talking on a video thing for people listening to the podcast. You can't see this. Um, but you're sort of in a, is, is this your dorm bed? It it looks like a sound studio. Yeah my dorm room um so I actually uh at the beginning of the year I lofted my bed and so this Mm. here is like the platform to the bed what I'm sitting on is my actual mattress and then I have storage (laughs) above me and then I put blankets around me so that I'm in my own little like puddle area (laughs) I I miss college and that type of ingenuity and and making this this is your this that you know you can have your Becca night in your Becca space it's yeah. very, very, very important. A video I had a while ago um, that got very popular on Instagram was about uh, the Ariel having pots, Little yeah. Mermaid. I remade it for TikTok and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's where this started. It started a while ago um, that, you know, mermaids have pots. And, you know, when she came out of the ocean, she experienced a lot of pot symptoms and that type of thing. Um, I just wondering, you know, it's a, it's a very weird question. Did you have an answer for that? Any type of inkling? 
So there were two things that I thought of when like I first saw that question. Uh, one was Sleeping Beauty because fatigue, you sleep all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one was super random and kind of far-fetched. But um, so I have a code word with my coach for when I'm not feeling good. And mm-hmm. I was watching Toy Story the other day. And every time they say Andy's coming, everybody <laughs> passes out. <laughs> I don't know. I, conspiracy theory, man. I don't know. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. That's great. Andy's coming. Everybody with pots passes out. Yep. That's their that's their code word that they're everybody's that is awesome. Oh my god. Oh I'm I'm gonna use that somewhere. I'm stealing that's that's very hilarious. Oh. So and then you know, we, we sort of talked about your journey. This is the question that we're gonna end this out on. Um it's chronic illness is definitely a roller coaster. And, you know, with you talking to you about your story, it sounds like those first couple of years at the beginning, it was, you're at the very low point. Um, and then, you know, right now you're, you're at a high point at times, you know, being able to play college basketball, you know, go to class, do all of those type of things. So we, we kind of talked about what you do when you're at the bottom in your flares and that type of stuff. Uh, what do you prioritize when you're at the top other than basketball? Other than basketball? Uh probably music. I like to play guitar and write songs. And so when I am feeling really good, I really love to just sit down with my guitar and just write. (laughs) Um, I also really like to go on adventures with friends and just do things, whether it's going out to eat or just exploring Bemidji or something like that. And just enjoying every moment that I'm able to do something so that the next time that I can't, they know that like, Hey, Becca's trying and she's not just like skipping out on time with us or something like that. Um, but just enjoying every moment. That's awesome. What, what type of music or is this a, do you have a SoundCloud? Are you, uh, I actually haven't like put any of my music out there. I want to, but, um, it's a little bit of Christian, a little bit of country, a little bit of random, like kind of all meshed in together for one. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Well, I, I want to, we're coming up to an hour, uh, and I want to sincerely thank you for doing this. Uh, you talked about, you know, wanting to help at least one person. I can tell you that this is going to help a lot of people. It's a, it's a wonderful story. You've got some great advice of the things that you went through that got you to where you are. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see where the, the lady wolf pack, is that yeah. the name? <laughs> where, where the lady wolf pack are going to be going, you know, five wins, you know, it's, it's, are, are you in a type of division um, where you can get to like an NIT type thing or? Sure. Cause we're like a separate division. Cause I think it's like the Christian schools are, and I don't know, it's something complicated like that. Got um, it. But <laughs> yeah. Well, that's exciting. Like regional and that type of tournament coming up this week, actually. So. Well, well stock up on your Gatorade, stock up on your salt. And, uh, and, and good luck. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this week's episode of the Chronic Illness Playbook. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, we really wouldn't mind if you left us a positive comment and rating. You can find more information about the podcast at Chronic Illness Playbook on Instagram or visit us at chronicillnessplaybook.com. Well, that's it for me today. 
I really appreciate you spending some time with us. And until next time, see you real soon. Chronic Illness Playbook Podcast is for informational and or entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The information about products and services contained on this podcast does not constitute endorsement or recommendation by the Chronic Illness Playbook. The Chronic Illness Playbook is not responsible nor liable for any advice, course of treatment, diagnosis, or any other information, services, or products that you obtain through this podcast.